Welcome to Fisher and Phillips Wage Hour podcast series. I am Haygood Ty with the law firm of Fisher and Phillips, and I am co-chair of the firm's Wage and Hour practice group. Today, we will be talking about the issues around determining whether an individual should be classified as an independent contractor or whether they should be classified as an employee. We know that this is going to be a hot topic in 2021, so we wanted to bring this information to you. Fisher and Phillips has a national wage and hour practice group that focuses on these issues, and I'm pleased to have two members of our wage and hour practice group with us today to discuss these issues. We're joined by Jay Glunt, a partner in our Pittsburgh office, and Ben Duddick, an attorney in our Columbia, South Carolina office. Both Jay and Ben have considerable experience advising and litigating issues related to independent contractor classifications. In fact, Jay knows very well this issue because he had a client whose business depends on independent classifications where he handled a class action lawsuit that was taken to a jury trial in 2019. So drawing on that experience, he'll be able to give us great insight into these issues today. So Jay, turning to you, uh, you seem very convinced that employers need to stay on top of the changing requirements related to the lawful use of independent contractors. Give us an idea of why you have that feeling. Thank you. Hey, good. It's my pleasure to be here with everyone today. Yeah, I I would say there are three reasons why I would expect employers to really work to stay on top of these changing requirements. The first is we are seeing an increased reliance on the use of contractors to supplement an employee-based workforce. Generally, I'm seeing that generally, and there are economist studies that back that up, and there's even an IRS study that backs that up. Certainly in some industries, that's more so than others. For example, in trucking and transportation, healthcare, retail, you know, there, there are certain industries where that is even more prevalent than others. But you can see over time that there's been an increased reliance on the use of contractors. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, here we are in late February, 2021, there's increased risk right now and, and an increased likelihood of scrutiny in the classification of a worker as a contractor. And that's a result of the plaintiff's bar being very clever in their strategies to find potential plaintiffs, and also governmental agencies like the Department of Labor at the state and federal level taking a strong interest in this topic. And the third reason is very challenging to win one of these misclassification fights at an early stage. If when you run the searches, and look at the case law, you'll see employers attempting to win this argument at summary judgment or, or an early stage and generally failing. It's a very, very fact-intensive analysis that typically has many different factors, no one factor necessarily controlling. It's a lot of common law uh, advice on this. And so what happens is you, you realize when you're in one of these challenges, almost have to take it to trial if you really are determined to win. So for all those reasons, I think employers really need to stay on top of these requirements. Well, Jay, thank you. Uh, Ben, you know, we have just gone through a big election. And so when we're having these sorts of discussions, I often want to steer away from politics 
but it seems that politics may be impacting this topic. Uh, during the final days of the Trump administration, his Department of Labor published a new rule for classification of workers as independent contractors. Uh, do we expect that the Biden administration, now that they're in power, will have a different view on this? Can you give us some insight into those issues and how politics may impact this topic? Yeah, hey, good. Um, thanks for having me on uh, today. The new independent contractor rule was set to go into effect on March 8, 2021. Um, this rule was good for employers because it made clear to businesses that two considerations, the degree of control the business has over the worker and the worker's opportunity for profit or loss were the most important factors in determining whether a worker is an employee or an independent contractor for purposes of the Fair Labor Standards Act. However, right after President Biden took the oath of office on January 20th, his administration froze this new rule. A couple of weeks ago, the Biden Department of Labor issued a notice seeking comments on delaying the effective date of the new rule from March 8th until May 7th. And along with freezing this new rule, President Biden's Department of Labor also withdrew opinion letters issued at the end of the Trump presidency that were helpful to employers in determining independent contractor status under the rule, as well as defending against claims against misclassification. And just today, we're seeing news that the Biden Department of Labor withdrew an opinion letter previously issued by the Trump Department of Labor, finding that workers for a gig platform company were independent contractors rather than employees. So we are, we're in a state of unknown right now, Haygood, but the, the fate of the new rules does not look good for employers, given these early signs of hostility to independent contractor status by the Biden administration. And uh, this is a shame because the new rule would have provided more certainty to employers when it comes to determining independent contractor status. So we'll have to watch out in the coming weeks and months about what the Biden administration does. but we will know that there's a, a certainly going to be a vigorous debate and employers shouldn't be surprised if there are legal challenges to the current rule or if the Biden administration seeks to create its own independent contractor rule. Well, Ben, thank you. That's great insight. Jay, you know, we're hearing both from what you're saying and what Ben's saying and what we're reading in the paper and on the news that there's some uncertainty here about how to use independent contractors now. So, what sort of practical advice do you have for employers who want to make use of contractors to supplement their workforce? Uh, that's a great question, Haygood, because, you know, we do our best work, I think, is outside legal counsel where we can give the, the most practical advice possible. So when I'm helping a client structure an agreement or, or a relationship and we want to do our best to try to reduce the risk and ward off a challenge, there are three main things that I try to, to accomplish. First is, I'd really like this to be a business to business agreement. So I like it whenever my client puts the contractor in a position where, you know, contractor, you're gonna to have to form your own company. We will enter into a contract with another company and flowing from that, you're gonna have some insurance requirements and things. So that immediately starts to, from an optics perspective, separate it from employment. 
Second, I, I like it whenever we can set it up so that the reality for the contractor is that they do have capacity in their day or at least in their week to go do the same kind of work for others. If we have a contractor who's working for us 40, 50, 60 hours a week, we can put in the agreement that they're free to go work for, for others, but they don't really have capacity. And so it becomes their reality that they are really united with our clients. So I, I really try to encourage my clients to separate that and, and set it up so that the time invested by the contractor is such that it allows them the opportunity and the freedom to actually go work for others if they want to. And the third thing is I try really hard to get my clients to avoid any kind of evergreen or auto renewal concept in their contracts with contractors. From the Department of Labor's perspective, a, a contract with a contractor should come to an end at some point. It should be a project-based relationship when possible. It comes to a close. Now, it could be that then very soon after that, there's another contract awarded, and that next contract might be awarded to the same company that was performing the first contract. But nonetheless, I like it whenever the contract comes to an end, and then we can decide if we want to enter into a new contract as opposed to a situation where the contractor just continues doing their work indefinitely. So those are the three things that I tend to look for. Well, Jay and Ben, thank you very much for this insight. For those of you who are listening, if you've got follow-up questions related to independent contractor status, please reach out to Jay or Ben. And I want to thank you for joining Fisher Phillips Wage Hour podcast. For more information on Fisher Phillips and the Wage Hour Practice Group, please visit our website at fisherphillips.com. Have a great day and stay well. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.